0: Hello and welcome to the Euro Trips Across the Pod podcast. I'm your host Andy, and we are here for your week fourteen review. Um, so, our guest this week is um, journalist for Sky Sports and NFL writer Cameron Hogwood.
1: How are you, Hi Andy? I'm um, good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, another Giants defeat, but <laughs> I thought we get used to it by now. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's come part of the norm, isn't it, the last five years? But um, <laughs> I mean, that has answered my first question about which team you support. So I want to get from you. I ask every guest this. Um, what What's the reason behind you, you choosing the Giants as your team?
1: Uh, it's, it's a little bit of a cliche answer, to be fair. But it was when, it was kind of really when Odell came into the league. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I was a bit enamoured by this guy and this superstar who could kind of make the ridiculous plays that I kind of love to watch. And, uh, yeah, that was part of it. Uh, I also kind of picked a team that I wanted to visit. I always wanted to visit New York. That's one yeah. of my kind of favourite places. I love New York and everything about it. So that was another sell. And I also loved Victor Cruz. Victor Cruz is probably my favourite Giants player. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just, that, that was kind of the main reason. Uh, yeah, probably picked the wrong time to become a Giants fan. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's probably about probably about 2014 where I really decided to become a Giants fan, but obviously... Victor Cruz has been around a lot longer than that so yeah.
0: I mean the beauty of the NFL is that you know a team could be bad now and in five years time they could be better look at the Bengals right now and teams like that so and the Giants have always been throughout history a team that's always been successful so the good times should hopefully be back for you guys at some point but when that will be I'm not
1: sure. (laughs) Yeah exactly I mean it's nice we've got a good history to talk about so we'll, we'll <laughs> talk about that for now <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> um
1: and I
0: don't know whether this is different for yourself because you're you are an NFL writer for Sky Sports but how does your typical NFL Sunday look are you a red zone man do you watch the Sky Sports coverage do you um go on game pass and watch Giants and stuff like that so how do you normally watch
1: the NFL on a Sunday so I'm usually, usually, one of my shifts at work is usually a Sunday. So I'll be working every NFL Sunday. So it will basically be me and myself and my colleague, Dave Curry, who's the NFL editor at Sky Sports, will we'll kind of cover the live games. So that will involve, um, for, for instance, I'd write the report for the first live game on Sky Sports, uh, while Dave takes care of kind of social social media updates, stuff like that sometimes we, we occasionally live blog the games which would include kind of watching the live game and then red zone as well so we'll kind of keep up to date across all the mm-hmm. all the scores and etc and then we'll kind of alternate between the reports what we write and kind of the written news content in a night but but mainly yeah it's it's every, every game on where we, on whichever screen we can really it's a, a case of live game on one screen red zone on the other and then maybe a game pass on another so uh yeah, It's me kind of locked away in my office for about 11 hours a night. <laughs> well, I could think of worse ways to spend your time on a Sunday <laughs> night than
0: doing that, so um, yeah, sure. yeah perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, we'll see. We're here to read the week 14 games, and the week started off on Thursday night football as the Minnesota Vikings beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 38 26 before heading on to the Sunday games where the Atlanta Falcons beat the Carolina Panthers. And then the Dallas Cowboys beat the Washington football team 27-20 in what was a really dead game until the last five minutes or so. Um, And then the Tennessee Titans um, beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 20-0 in in another um, poor result for the Jaguars after recent revelations about Urban Meyer's fallout with people such as Trevor Lawrence. And the New Orleans Saints got back to winning ways after a five-game losing streak. They beat the New York Jets 30 points to nine. And then the Kansas City Chiefs also got a win as they're pretty much now going to win the AFC West. It would take a lot for um, that not to happen, but they beat the Raiders, their division rivals, 48-9 to in what what was a very dominant performance from both the the defence and the offence of Kansas City. And then the Settle City Hawks got back to winning ways. They got a second win in a row. They beat the Houston Texans 32 points to 13. And then the other game at 6 o'clock, uh, Worse, oh no that is all of them excuse me uh, <laughs> heading on to the nine o'clock state, um your team first Cameron as the New York Giants lost 31 20 37 21 to the um to the Los Angeles Chargers game I was actually meant to be at if it wasn't for the COVID <laughs> variant uh which is a shame because Herbert threw an absolute dime in that game so it was a massive shame but it's it, at least it wasn't a overtime thriller like other games this weekend but um, obviously from yourself you told me you were, actually, you were actually at a wedding so you actually missed um, a lot of this game but I want to get your thoughts more Cameron on the Giants overall season so far because it's sort of been same old same old as of how recent years has gone um, they're currently 4-9 currently um, so yeah what what's your thoughts on how the Giants season has gone so far
1: yeah I think uh, I did manage to get back and watch a bit of it last night and a bit this morning so I've kind of got to watch the misery again but uh it, it's been another season where I think we were sold a lot in terms of what this Giants team would offer what kind of brand of football it would play Um, and it hasn't lived up to that I mean I, I was a huge Joe Judge advocate when he came in and mm. he spoke a really tough game I think we all probably got lured in by the press conference as as we tend to do in the NFL I'm not sure how this phrase that you win a press conference probably gets thrown around too easily. But I think that was a situation with Joe Judge. And for, for somebody who speaks about punching a team in the nose for, for 60 minutes on end, the decisions don't quite back it up, I don't think. He, he plays to lose, it plays not to lose rather than playing to win. And he hasn't really shucked, like being able to get away from that narrative and that that's caught up with us where we look like a losing team every time we step out on a field. Uh, i think it's just obviously besides that it a, is a poor excuse but but injuries have been so unfortunate again look we, we all want to see i think we've probably seen the best that we've seen of daniel jones at times this year since he came to the giants and obviously that that's been in in kind of sporadic throughout the season it hasn't been consistent and i think a lot of that's been down to, to injuries we we lost andrew thomas a left tackle for a long for for, for a few games and I'd arguably say Andrew Thomas is one of very few players that is untradeable on this team. I think he's probably one of our top three players in terms of talent and potential. Um, so he's been a major positive. We'll try and pluck every positive we can out of this season. But de- defensively, it's been a, that's probably been one of the, the most disappointing things. The pass rush has been non-existent. Um, Leonard Williams, we kind of expected him to, to carry on that form. And while he kind of comes up with the numbers still, if you watch the games, that the pass rush is so inconsistent. Sometimes, quarterbacks like you see, Justin Herbert had days and days back there to, to throw at will, and that, that that's kind of tripped us up a lot. And you, you're kind of looking at the draft as an opportunity to go and go and draft a, a pass rusher or someone who's going to disrupt the, the line of scrimmage. I mean, to miss out on Michael Parsons is a, a real sucker punch given what he's done since he's going to Dallas. Uh, and then, yeah, probably the main disappointment for me has been on offence. We, we brought in Kenny Galladay, obviously. Um, Saquon came back from injury. Obviously, he got injured again, but but he came back. Uh, John Ross came in. We thought he was going to be a really interesting utility player. Uh, we Just kind of, Kadarius Tony. We, we've barely even seen, apart from that Cowboys game, where he kind of went off for, I think it was 189 yards. And just injuries, there's been no consistency, no continuity, no fluidi- fluidity. Jason Garrett, kind of the play calling, was so restrictive. There's just no. You you look at look at the Giants playing, and then you look at a team like even the Chiefs in their bad spot were still kind of coming up with these funky kind of motion in plays with hitting every single level of the field, kind of short, intermediate, deep, deep passes from the homes, and there was just none of that from from the Giants. And it it has been a case of hope very quickly fizzling out and it gets to a point now where you're wondering whether it's a clean house time at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned a clean house. I think that could be the case. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on the, because I think this the draft this year is um, seemingly, or, or next year, is seemingly a very defensive heavy draft. And I think there's a few running backs here and there, but I think the majority of studs that are meant to be coming out of college this year seem to be on the defensive side of things. So in terms of the offence I mean Daniel Jones there isn't a great quarterback class um coming up in 2022 and obviously Daniel Jones has been had mixed mixed, mixed opinions from Giants fans I think since he's come in but what would you do would you keep Jones another year would you um try a quarterback in a draft or would you go for someone in free agency
1: I think if personally I think I would keep him I think I would keep Daniel Jones because I still don't think He's been in a situation to succeed. Regardless, I know we kind of say they brought in a lot of players to, to kind of support him, and but, but they haven't been fit enough. They haven't been on the field enough to actually have a good representation of Daniel Jones in a strong, strong offensive group. I think if, if I was looking at people's go, it would be the coaching staff and kind of obviously buying Patrick Graham, I think is a good defensive coordinator. But uh, Dave Gettleman, the, the GM, I think is in trouble. Mm-hmm. But I think you you look at where the Giants are picking, it'll be a top 10 pick, possibly even two, because we're getting the Bears pick as well. So you kind of look at those picks and think you have to, you probably have to go kind of edge rusher with one of them. And even then, I'd be inclined to go for another offensive lineman early, just because it's such a need. You kind of need to <laughs> go as much as you can. At the same time as that we would be talking far more complimentary about Daniel Jones if, the, if he didn't kind of keep turning the ball over needlessly when, when he has had opportunities to, to do well. So, yeah, I, I don't want to kind of spare him of blame because we'd, we'd be a lot kinder if he, if he hadn't have kind of thrown all these interceptions and been fumbling the ball every week, which he's kind of trying to get out, but it's still obviously a problem that's there in his game.
0: Yeah, I think Daniel Jones has shown, I think, at certain times, certain good spells. I mean, I think there's certainly, I think, in the, in the sort of the running game, I think he certainly is a asset in that sense. I think, you know, I think there are times where he does make these wonderful throws, but I think equally there are times where he does make these real silly decisions with his throws, so I... I I think I would keep him as well. If I was a Giants um, sort of an office member, I think I would just keep him another year, unless someone like Russell Wilson is available. I don't think he'll go now, yeah, but certainly yeah. going last year. Unless let someone of that ilk, like even if 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 the legal troubles are done, just even like someone like Sean Watson. If someone elite comes available, even someone like Jimmy Garoppolo, I think would do a good job. But I I do think that um, unless someone really good comes available. I don't think the Giants should look at anyone else but Daniel Jones and just wait until, give him one more year, maybe give him um, a chance for a new coordinator or a new coach or something like that. And maybe that will change things. And if not, then maybe go for someone in the 2023 draft and and maybe do something like that.
1: Yeah, it's a really tough one. I mean, whatever they decide of Daniel Jones has to, they have to get it perfect now because if not, it kind of sets sets where everything they've tried to achieve back another few years. And, I'm not sure this team can afford that, really.
0: And um, one final thought for you: what are your thoughts? I've heard a lot of people in recent weeks, recent months, talk about the decision to take Saquon Barkley early on in the draft, and with always injury problems, uh, people being saying they should have gone for a different player and more of a uh, stuff like that. So, do you do you think that it was the right decision to take Saquon Barkley so early on?
1: Uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, on the night I mean on the night you kind of you, you've seen this guy come through college and you're like oh wow this he, he's going to be incredible he's an incredible player and but at the same time the back in mind you're thinking that is you, you don't draft a running back there especially for a team that was in the situation the Giants are in where there were so many like, more pressing needs than a player like Saquon Barkley and unfortunately the as much as we kind of see teams built on running backs, maybe the Titans still, and someone like the Saints who kind of revolve around Alvin Kamara, it still happens in the league where where a team can thrive on a, an elite running back, and that can be the can carry the team. But I think that the injury has really derailed Saquon, and it's a real shame to see. Actually, it's it's really sad that he can't get back to where he was in that rookie year, and. I think it is just that we've kind of seen in recent years that the value of a running back in the draft has has gone down and down. You see people like James Robinson and Austin Eckler that go undrafted, so that's a as big indication as you need to teams that you can get a running back beyond round one. And yeah, I I was as much as I love Saquon, I was firmly in the wrong decision camp with that one.
0: Yeah, I think even after the first year, I think. People, not many would have said it was a wrong decision after that, that rookie year he had where he's the best, best, best he's ever been essentially, but obviously then the injuries have happened. So you're seeing a lot of injuries now to Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Alva Camaro yeah. is in for a lot of this year. So I think that, I think what, and it's obviously Zeke as well. So I think there's a lot of running backs, It's just happening more and more. It's such a position where you take such a beating in that position. I think that, so many of the big players, best players in the league in that position get injured all the time. So I do think that we're seeing more and more now just this increased lack of desire for running back. And especially looking at this draft as well. I mean, Josh Allen was taken seventh overall. Quentin Nelson was taken sixth. Bradley Chubb fifth. Um, Mika Fitzpatrick eleventh. There's so many good players that you could have taken. Jay Alexander was taken in the first round. I'm looking at the, the list now, Calvin, even though he's obviously um, out right now, for personal reasons, Calvin Ridley was there. Um it's so many, even Lamar Jackson, the 32nd overall, Nick Chubb, who went in the second round. There's been so many good players that were taken in that draft. So I think that yeah, he looked good at college and he was amazing for that first year. I think looking at it now, maybe they could have gone for for someone else like Josh Allen, like Quentin Nelson and people like that, or even Bradley Chubb.
1: Yeah, I agree. Look at someone like Quentin Nelson, you'd kind of love him. Every Giants fan would love him in their team. In any team in the I think for me, he's probably
0: the best, if not one of the best, if not the best, and probably the best offensive lineman in the whole league. I think Stuff like that, he's just an absolute force, and I think that there aren't many better than him in the league. Um, but other games going on in the nine o'clock lately, Denver Broncos beat the Detroit Lions 38 10 in a tribute to former wide receiver. Mer- I think in the game I saw the first snap, they actually um, played with 10 men rather than 11 on offense in a, in a tribute to Demarius Thomas, who's probably their best ever wide receiver, if not one of the best. I it's be sad. And it's um, a fair play to the Detroit Lions. They're decline the penalty for today's game as well. So, yeah, sad stuff. But um, I think it was fitting that they they won the game so convincingly. Um, and now, in terms of the other nine o'clock, we saw, in my opinion, the best ever ending to Zone I've ever seen as there's two games right at the end, which went to overtime. Um, the 49ers beat the Bengals, 26-23 in overtime. And the... Um, T- Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat Buffalo Bills, 33-27 in overtime. Both um, winning the game via walk-off touchdowns. So um, let's go to the 49ers-Bengals game first. Um, so it actually was a very... Um, I thought it was a very good game. I thought the 49ers were the best team, I thought most of it. And then the Bengals last quarter got 14 points to take it to overtime before they they actually won the toss. They got the first possession. They got a field goal from um, Evan McPherson before Brandon Ayuk scored the winning touchdown. A 12-yard pass from Jimmy Garoppolo as he went for it. Because they they took so long going but they managed to out at the same time I think the 49ers will be happy with their performance I and mean, they'd be utterly gutted to a loss this game because they were a better team um now both teams are very much in the playoff hunt both teams are very much still you know still I think the Bengals are sixth or seventh seed and the 49ers are around about the same so do you see both these
1: teams making the playoffs um it's a tough one. I think the 49ers are definitely on a run. They're definitely feeling dangerous at the moment. I I think we looked at last night's game and they both felt like playoff teams, very much felt like playoff teams. Just, and you kind of saw the way it was decided in the end. Uh, Yeah, t- two definite high quality teams with, with a lot of talent to hurt, hurt opposition teams with. And I, I, I would, I could definitely see both making the playoffs, yeah. Yeah, I
0: think I was actually looking... Uh, last night, obviously as a Dolphins fan, I'm constantly checking on the schedule for these AFC teams who are around that sort of wild card um, scenario. I'm um, looking at their schedule now. Um, so their schedule ends. It's fairly favourable, I'd say. They've got no, actually, now saying I ignore me. It's the Broncos, Ravens, Chiefs, and Browns. I mean that is quite a hard schedule. Um, so I think they can they'll, they'll beat the Ravens. Um, so they beat the Broncos. The Ravens game all depends on whether Lamar Jackson's fit. That's a big worry. He did go off injured in this game and there's no sort of... I've not seen any reports as to whether he's going to be available for next game. It's probably too early in the week to sort of find out that information. And then the Chiefs look back to their best and then the Browns. So, you, you, you're not sure what you get with the Browns. One week they're good, one way they're bad. So they're, who knows with the Browns with them? So I think... I think the forty nines will, and I think the Bengals will just miss out, I believe. I think they'll just, due to this schedule I'm looking at right now, I think, personally, that would be, considering the how easy so many other schedules are for the teams trying to get playoff spots, like the Chargers, for example, I, I think that, I think they might miss out. Um, but, yeah, the other game on at nine o'clock was the Buccaneers beating the Bills, thirty-seven, thirty-three, twenty-seven, 33 um, 27, in a game which seemed, again, seemed like a 1-1, one, a one, Size of the fair for a lot of this game. I mean, it was um 30, it was so it was 20. 24-10 at one point to the Buccaneers, 27-10 as well. Then the, the Bale the scored 17 points in the fourth quarter to take this game to overtime before um, the last um sort of the last gasp, last gap, last gasp, sorry, last gasp touchdown from Pearman, a short payment, a 58 yard pass from Tom Brady. Um, so yeah, I thought. For a while, I was thinking my narrative of this game was going to be the fact that the Bills just seem completely out of sorts. And they seem just completely one-dimensional. But then I think personally that turnaround they had in the fourth quarter shows they've got plenty of life in them. Albeit, I don't know whether it's down to the Buccaneers sort of taking it easier or putting their foot off the gas. But I was encouraged from what I saw in the fourth quarter from, from the Bills. What did you think, Cameron?
1: Yeah, I um I probably put it more down to... The Bucks may be taking their foot off the gas a bit. I think they played two very different halves, obviously, on stopple in that first half. Mm-hmm. But what uh, we, we kind of saw with the Bills, and you're kind of wondering why they don't do it more, is when they run the ball with Josh Allen, because he's just... We talk about, obviously, his accuracy has come on leaps and bounds since he came into the league. But one thing that's been an ever-present that people maybe <laughs> people forget about is is that rushing ability and he had, went for over 100 yards rushing last night i know he came away with a bit of a, a potential turf toe injury but that that's something they need to you need running the ball in playoff football and if they're going to make make the playoffs they're going to need that they're going to need to learn how to run the ball better and obviously defend defend the run better as well but i do think the bucks i've said all season i think they're they're my super bowl team i I, I would be not shocked in one bit in one way, if they made it back to the Super Bowl and, and won it again, because they're so balanced. Even with someone like Antonio Brown out, you look at the offense and they're, they're one of the best at hitting every single level of the field in an instant. And that's a nightmare to defend against. And kind of, I wrote about Gronk in the week and the way they're using Gronk is just ridiculous considering the injuries he's been through and the way he's playing. And then you look at the catch Mike Evans made at the back of the end zone and Chris Godwin going for over a hundred yards just they can hurt you in so many ways and like we look at the the way the league is shaped up this year where defences are playing more too deep coverages to, to kind of cut out these chunk plays and you do that and you, you kind of you test and challenge a team to an offense to run the ball and they have with Leonard Fournette he's kind of stepped up stepped up and come into his own in this box team which obviously the, the domino effect to that is you you draw defenders back into into the box and then those chunk plays open up again and for, for that reason and obviously you, you take into account they have one of the best offensive lines in the league obviously Tristan Wirth's second year right tackle has been immense yet again obviously playing next to Gronk as well has helped but they just look I think this box team looks so balanced and in in every kind of area that the, the Bills played really well that second half and kept it come back and it wasn't enough because this bucks team
0: have too much. They really do. I think for me, I'm the same boat as you. I, I also think they're going to um, win it again. I can't see any, any other team. I thought the Chiefs would be there and I think the Chiefs can still make it, but I think the Buccaneers, for me, are the strongest by a mile. They've got so much depth in every position. Look at wide receiver. If it's not Godwin, it's Mike Evans. If it's not them, it's Gronk. If it's not them, it's um, obviously Fournette in the run game and even Ronald Jones on his day. So I think, and even defence as well, Shaq Barrett, Dominic Sue, Devon White Vita Veya, Jason Pierre-Paul, they got so many options in that defensive side of things. And then um, Devontae David as well. And I think that they've also got the most clutch quarterback of all time. That for me, the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. And they've got an excellent head coach in Bruce Arians. And I think that, um, obviously, they've got the experience. They were there last year. They know how to win it. They've got the most recent ring. And I just think that there's, n- I've seen nothing. I think last year they had a bit of, I think it took a long time to get into it. I think it took a long time to get going with, you know, with uh, Tom Brady paying for a new team and learning a new playbook and stuff like that. But this season they've had no one really new to come in apart from their draft picks. And I think they've just been absolutely excellent. And I think they're just going to keep going further on, further on. I hope they don't win it purely to see someone else win it. But I think for you me, know, I can't see anyone else but the Bucks, at least since the NFC making the Super Bowl, whereas the AFC, I don't know who's going to get there from the AFC. It's so wide open. Um but yeah, that that is um, something of the bills as well. I mean, I I was thinking at one point, you know, with them only being one win ahead of us um, in the sort of AFC East, that maybe we have got a chance of taking them. But looking at their schedule, they've got the Patriots in Week 16, but they've got the Panthers, Falcons, and Jets. So I think anyone worried about the Bills not making the playoffs should look at that schedule and rethink <laughs> rethink their thoughts. Because I think I think that that fourth quarter will give them confidence going into the rest of the season, into the postseason. And I think that the fact they got three very winnable, if not almost guaranteed wins, I, I think that they'll that be absolutely fine. And they'll probably be behind the Patriots, but they'll, they'll be probably the fifth seed in the AFC. So um yeah, uh, fair play to the both teams. But yeah, the Buccaneers, to me, absolutely outstanding. And then the other game we saw before the Sunday Night Football was the game between the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. Now, the Cleveland Browns won this game 24 points to 22, but this wasn't the whole story. Uh, Lamar Jackson did get injured, I believe it was in the second quarter, first quarter, uh, and this all for a while, an absolute domination from the Browns. I think at half-time, it was 24-6. to Then the Bravens got an amazing comeback with Tyler Huntley, taking it all the way to um, 24-15. And then Mark Andrews got caught an eight-yard pass to Tyler Huntley with um, a minute and 17 left to make it 24-22. But sadly, that wasn't enough um, for the for the Ravens. So I want to ask you again, I mentioned before, I don't know what his injury status is, but their last four games are the Packers, the Bengals, the Rams and the Steelers. Now, if he is um, going to miss at least two, one of these games, two of these games, if not all of them, um, how badly do, do you think this will affect not only their chances of getting into the playoffs, but then going into the playoffs itself?
1: Uh, Huge. If Lamar Jackson can't play, I, I'm really worried for this for this Ravens team. Not not just because on offense as well, but but defensively they've had so many injuries. And while we don't always want to use injuries because these are professional football players, they they should be able to kind of plug on play at, at this at this point. But the Ravens have been so disjointed on defense and secondary is, is allowing so many yards and so many chunk plays. You just can't trust them right now, and it, as well as Tyler Huntley did last last night when he kept, when he kind of filled in for Lamar, he's not Lamar. You, you can't that the the plays they dial up with Lamar, no other team would dare call him because they're so kind of sophisticated and rely on his explosiveness. And teams teams aren't afraid of Tyler Huntley like they are of Lamar Jackson. So they're, they're of course they're going to set up differently. So I'm. It's one of those where you look at that schedule and that doesn't help matters. That doesn't help if you're trying to ease Lamar back in. And uh yeah, he I, f- I feel like they need him if they want to make the playoffs. I feel like they need him.
0: Yeah, I think with um, you know, what the whole thing about MVP, I think that's his most valuable player. I don't think he'll win it, but I think he is by far their most valuable player to Ravens. I mean, without him, their offense is nothing. Um, I know they got. They obviously they came close in this game. They had a good comeback, but I, I think that with, without with without Lamar Jackson in his team, I think the Ravens absolutely struggle. And I think that you saw with the Cardinals. I mean, they got two out of three, two wins out of three with Colt McCoy rather than Kyler Mary. Um, But I can't see the Ravens having anywhere near a similar record without Lamar Jackson if he's out for that long. Um, now the final game was Sunday Night Football as the Chicago Bears lost 45-30 to the Green Bay Packers in what was the most points ever scored in the second quarter. Um, so, yeah, that for me was the best result. I mean, it was a very exciting game, but overall the Packers were just dominant. And they, again, I think they're pretty much certain now of getting the NFC North. I think it's only a matter of time. But the best game of the whole weekend is actually coming tonight. So we're recording this podcast at half past two on a Monday. So tonight, um, obviously Tuesday morning for us Brits, it is the Los Angeles Rams, um, who won eight wins in the NFC West, taking on the ten win Arizona Cardinals. Um, this game is absolutely massive for me. I think that both teams need to I think the Cardinals will go into the game is as clearly the as favourite, and I think the Rams have something to prove because they haven't really beaten many good teams, if any good teams this year. Um we saw their three game losing streak recently. Um yeah, so I just think, how do you see this game going, Cameron?
1: Yeah, I think you're right in saying it's the best game of the weekend by far. Uh, it's a tough one. I mean, you're kind of looking for the Rams to to get back on track on offence. They've kind of lost that spark of late and you're not quite sure why you'd like to see them, like we mentioned earlier, the, the way teams are setting up, defence is setting up, they're, they're challenging, you to, challenging you to run the ball and you're kind of looking at, can the Rams live up to that? I know... Daryl Henderson was placed on the COVID list. So it's a Sonny Michelle that kind of comes to him. He'll be hugely important for the Rams tonight. Uh, it was the Cardinals who kind of knocked the Rams off their stride, I think. So th- this is an interesting one for the Rams in terms of learning where they are as a team and who they are. Look, the-, the way they use Cooper Cup is always going to be a bit of a threat. I love the way they line him up in kind of even in the backfield on the outside in the slot, that's that is a test for this Cardinals de- uh, for this Cardinals defense. I do think the Cardinals are maybe one of the most complete teams in the league, mm-hmm. and I think we'll see that tonight. Their running game has been phenomenal all year behind James Connor and Chase Edmonds, who's obviously recently come back from injury. It's just a an overload of offensive talent, and it's you kind of expecting a, a bit of a shootout. Obviously, Kyler Murray is, is coming back. He recently came back. And Matthew Stafford, so you're kind of waiting for some kind of fireworks tonight. Yeah, I
0: think for me on defence, both these teams are sort of in the top 10. We look at passing yards allowed and rushing yards allowed. So both teams are very good defensively. And I think offensively, they're both good as well. I think Matt Stafford has been have declined a little bit in recent weeks. Um, but I think it's the perfect chance for him to show, show the world and show the NFL world that you can do it against a big team and he can shake off that sort of big, big game sort of tag he's got where I think obviously Detroit Lions is different because he's playing for the Lions, but I think they've not beaten a good team yet. So I think if if they can get, you know, if they can get a win against the Cardinals here and put firstly get put the it back to one game between them in the NFC West, I think that's a massive statement from the Rams. But I think if they if they are to lose this game like many people think they will, I think that this will send massive worry signs for Rams fans because if they're going to get to the playoffs, they're going to have to play um for most of it, like really good teams like that's go through the Packers or the Cardinals or the Buccaneers at some point if they want to do well. And I think that is a massive test. And I think Yeah, I I think personally I'm gonna go with my my prediction-wise, I'm gonna go for a Cardinals win. But I think it's gonna be I'm gonna go for something like um 33-27 to the um to the Cardinals. Uh, what are you going for,
1: Cameron? I'm gonna go. I'm going to have Cardinals win as well. I'm going
0: to say 35-27. Oh, yeah, both going for the high-scoring games. I think that's... Um, I-, I hope it is. I hope it's not a damn squid. I think there's been a lot of games <laughs> this year that have lived up to expectation. Obviously, some haven't, but I I, just, I just hope this game is... Um, actually saying that, I was actually meant to be at the game as well. So, from that-, from that point of view, I actually hope it's not a good game, so I've not missed out on a thriller. But... Um, <laughs> As, as a fan I hope it's a good game I hope it really is so um, so yeah that is the end of our week 14 review so thank you Cameron for um, coming on and I will give you the chance now to promote your social media if you'd like
1: to yeah thank you for having me it's been a pleasure I um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at ch underscore sky sports uh, yeah always happy to talk football with people so yeah get in touch
0: and do check out his work he's done some very good articles in, in recent weeks but yeah there has been the Euro Trips Across the Pod podcast. I have been your host, Andy. This has been Cameron Hogwood, and we'll see you next time.